All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to whistle through seven passages. Seven passages, don't worry, fear not, uh, because there are seven themes. At least I find at least seven themes, and there's an awful lot more than seven themes. And um, so we're going to put just a few verses from each up uh, on the screen. So we're going to go with the first one. So Matthew 25, 34 to 38, part of the parable of the sheep and the goats. I'm not going to read the whole parable, but just verses 34 to 38, where Jesus talks about the reward to the righteous in glory, when he'll separate the sheep from the goats and put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was ill, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And so Jesus says that there's a hidden ministry to Jesus that exists in and around the whole context of welcome and hospitality. It's partly why we eat together on a Sunday. It's not the only reason, but it's because we want to be able to put food out at the back and not have a box for donations and say to anyone that comes in here uh, in this place, eat. And some people will come in and eat. George is already away. (laughs) Come and eat, and then they'll go away again. They won't necessarily stay for the service. And Jesus says that when people are hungry and thirsty, then we have a mandate from Him to recognize that in the person that we feed, the person that we give something to drink to, we're doing it to Jesus. We're doing it to Jesus. And that Jesus says, I was a stranger and you invited me in. And so, it's important for us as a Christian community, and when I talk about that, I'm talking now in the broadest terms, whether that's Monday to Saturday in the Wild Olive Tree or here at Cafe Church, because the principle is a kingdom principle that says, I was a stranger and you invited me in. What does it look like in your own life? I mean, we have to address this corporately as as a church and see what does it look like, but what does it look like? to share your food? What does it look like to have an open door of welcome to the stranger? And we've had some lovely experiences of strangers coming in and finding a door of welcome. And in just a minute, so I can give them a little bit of warning, I'm going to get Lorna and Helen to come up here and tell me just a couple of stories uh, from the cafe of strangers that they have had um, encounters with. I was naked and you clothed me. (laughs) We don't have naked people in here very often, I have to say. Um, But we do 
have people in who need clothes sometimes. And it's one of the joys for us of being in a partnership with Glasgow Street Pastors that upstairs in the gallery there are cupboards and drawers chock full of uh, scarves and hats and gloves and socks, uh, some underwear and some outerwear and so on. And sometimes the reality of ministry in St. George's Tron is that we get people in and actually what they need is uh, dry clothes. <laughs> actually what they need is warm clothes. Actually, what they need, particularly when the winters are severe and it's a bit uh, rough out there, is to help them in practical ways. It's James, isn't it, who says, don't just say uh, farewell and do good, but do something to help. And so part of the joy for us of being in the city center is partnering, not just with Glasgow City Mission or Bethany Christian Trust. And in case you haven't spotted them, uh, Charlie's over here. He's the CEO of Glasgow City Mission. And just at his shoulder behind is Chris Gordon uh, from Bethany Christian Trust. Your job title keeps changing, or at least I just keep forgetting. But anyway, he's going to talk to you a little bit later on. I was sick and you took care of me. And sometimes we have people. There was a guy, uh, Billy, who used to come in here, and it was a challenge because Billy had severe gangrene. And sometimes when Billy's leg was bad, it was really smelly. Uh, and Billy would come in and get free stuff in the cafe. I haven't seen Billy for a while, so I don't know whether he's died or whether he's gone elsewhere. But he used to come in here, and sometimes we just used to have to take Billy to hospital um, because that's uh, what his need was. He was in chronic pain, and you could sadly, sorry, to put it bluntly, tell by the smell that this needed attention. And sometimes it's just the reality that we have uh, people who take ill or we have people, uh, we had to work out a policy on uh, access to the toilets because for a little season there we were, we were suspecting that we were being using, used as a, as a shooting up venue where addicts would come in and use the toilets to score and then go off out again. It's the reality of being in the city center. How do you balance welcome with not welcoming unwelcome behavior? <laughs> And so it's an opportunity and a responsibility to show grace. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Well, we welcome every week a group of guys who have in common that they have uh, spent some time in prison and uh, we read the Bible together and eat soup. And so it's a responsibility for us as individuals and as a church and in the Wild Olive Tree Cafe to fulfill the mandate that Jesus has given us in that parable that says, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. Now, I'm not preaching this stuff to boast about what we do, but in a sense to say these are the mandates from the Gospels that we seek to fulfill. But the challenge is, you can't, none of us can rest on our laurels and say, well, that's great. The church I go to or I'm part of is doing it, so I don't need to. <laughs> because it's, the church is only doing it because the individuals who are employed or volunteering, the people who are part of the church, see and recognize that is my calling. That is my responsibility before God. All right, let's look at the next passage. John 6, 5 to 13, part of the story of the feeding of the 5,000, as John tells it. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test them, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. 
Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they'd all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And so if we've reflected a little bit on the responsibility and opportunity of welcome and of meeting the needs of people, let's uh, reflect a little bit and give praise to God for the principle of kingdom multiplication. <laughs> the principle of kingdom multiplication. Sorry, I forgot I was going to get Lauren and Helen up, but I'll get you up a little bit later on. Sorry, just my bad. And you know, we're only in this church seven years old. We're only seven years old. It's only seven years since a church was replanted here after a difficult season. And the cafe, as I said before, is only kind of uh, four and a half years old. And yet by the grace of God, uh, the grace of God which meant that we got an inheritance that we weren't supposed to get. <laughs> if you don't know that story, very early on in the planting of this church, uh, somebody who was part of the congregation that left died and hadn't changed their will. Uh, and so the inheritance uh, came to this church because the charity number was still tied in here. And actually, I praise God for that person because that was the small boy. <laughs> that individual did not know that they were the small boy. And yes, it was not five loaves and two fishes. It was a bigger lump of money than that. And yet, as we all know, it doesn't actually, money doesn't go very far. Anybody ever had that experience that money doesn't go as far as you think it's going to? Yeah. Last week? This week? Today? Maybe? Yeah. And so, yes, we got a substantial lump of money which allowed us to set the cafe up, but we took the principle that actually we could have created a rainy day fund and sat on it, or we could just do what it says in the parable of the talents, where the one who had 10 talents presumably blew the lot. Because it was only in the blowing of the ten talents that the ten talents came back, and the blowing of the five that the five came back. And so the principle of kingdom multiplication is that you give to Jesus the little that you have or are in terms of your resources or your time, in terms of your skills or talents, in terms of your availability, then Jesus will take that little. I never knew the person who left that money. And so it was just a name on a piece of paper, just a tiny little thing. And yet it was a principle that God then took and used. And so over the years, God has been pleased to multiply, uh, has been pleased to multiply the work that's been able to take place through the cafe. And I'm actually just going to cut straight to the stats at this point and tell you what that multiplication looks like. And these are some of the, the statistics that, that Beth, who's over here as the cafe manager, uh, pulled up uh, for me for 2019. So, anybody like to hazard a guess at how many coffees were sold in 2019? I know, I wouldn't know where to start with that either. I'll just give you the answer. 17,477. Number of scones sold, this is an interesting one, but I suppose some people have tea as well as coffee. 
Number of scones sold, 19,980 scones. Here's another interesting one. How many covers? How many people sat down and had something to eat in the Wild Olive Tree Cafe in 2019? 45,600 people. Now, some of them, a lot of them are repeat customers, obviously. They're not 45,600 unique individuals. But 45,600 people came into the Wild Olive Tree Cafe and had, sat down and had something to eat. And that doesn't, I don't think, include the takeaways, the people that come and get takeaway, and it doesn't include the people who get free stuff. Um, because the covers are logged as people pay for things. Here's another one. The grace of God's multiplication. How many donations do you think we got in 2019? 3,920 donations, which realized 21,883 pounds. 21,883 pounds was given by the grace of God through the hearts and the hands of people to fund the principle of giving for free to those who can't afford it. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And not all of these people by any stretch would necessarily call themselves Christians, but they care to be part of what we do. So what about the take-up of the uh, free stuff? The number of uh, coffees, I don't know why we haven't got teas, but the number of coffees that were redeemed, as we call it, they were uh, asked for, 6,567 coffees and 5,914 portions of soup. So that's food that people wouldn't otherwise have had because of the generosity of others. Number of volunteered hours in the cafe. This is an interesting one. The number of volunteered hours. Now, the cafe operates on a mixture of uh, full-time staff, part-time staff, uh, and volunteers, as well as the work placements that I mentioned earlier on. 1,873 volunteer hours in the cafe in 2019. And if we had paid those people, even at the living wage, because we pay the living wage, not the minimum wage, then that equates to 17,000 pounds of paid hours. So, you know, if you think I actually am of very limited means, but I want to be part of this. Well, you can volunteer because the hours that you give as a volunteer uh, in the cafe are contributing to the ministry and they're also uh, offsetting because what we don't pay in staff then frees up the profits, which we then give to Glasgow City Mission and Bethany Christian Trust. So if you volunteer, every hour that you volunteer, you're making a donation to Bethany Christian Trust and Glasgow City Mission with your time, and they will reap the benefit of that. The number of people, uh, the number of hours of people on placement, 900 hours people gave in placement jobs in the kitchen and on the floor and so on. And last year, we were able to donate uh, from our profits after we'd paid all our bills and staff bill, which is a pretty big bill, it has to be said, uh, as well as stock and, and utilities and all the rest of it. But we were able to give Bethany Christian Trust and Glasgow City Mission £2,500 each. So we were able to give away £5,000 last year, which is a great thing. 
a little boy came with a picnic. Well, I don't know if he offered it or whether the grown-ups just took it off him. I think in that culture, the grown-ups probably just took it off him. But with a little bit, and by the grace of God, the small was made something huge. Made something huge so that there were leftovers. They counted the leftovers. And most of you know that if you come here on a Sunday, Ruth or somebody else will be going around at some point with bags of leftover scones badgering you to take them away, right? There are leftovers because the grace of God is always more than enough. Let's look at the third passage in Luke 14. This is one of the ones you didn't get. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Now, we don't make judgments on the people who come in here. We open the doors and invite people to come in. But I know in the city center, we live in the place, or we're located in a place where you can look out any of these windows and you will see a money-making enterprise. It might be a restaurant. It might be a business. It might be shops. But we live in the epicenter of Glasgow's Mammon District. (laughs) This part of the city is dedicated to uh, people buying and selling and trading. Of course, there's uh, learning and education. There are other things as well. It's not the only things that go on. And in the story that Jesus told, there were people who were so caught up with the business and the busyness of the things they had to do. Oxen they had to try out, fields they had to see, marriages, all sorts of things going on. People were busy. And yet, in amongst it all, there were some people who recognized a good thing when they saw it. And the people who didn't have very much or who were perhaps not the successful people chasing after the next big thing, but the ones who recognized the gift of grace. And we seek to be a place and a ministry of grace. And I'm going to invite uh, Helen and Lorna to come up just now and just share one story each of people who've wandered in and for whom this has been a place of encounter in the midst of all of the noise and the bustle and the rush. Helen and Lorna are two of our three cafe chaplains. Uh, We set up a cafe chaplaincy, and Helen, uh, bless her, who was a friend of ours from more than gold days back in 2014, felt the call of God to come back. And she was going to come back for a year, and then it was going to be two, and we don't know how long you're going to be here now, but we're just going to uh, trust. Uh, and so Helen came back and, and has 
answered a call to be our principal cafe chaplain. Uh, and, and Helen's ministry is just to, uh, to look with, with kind intent around the cafe and see who might welcome a little chat. Helen is very good at just going up to people and talking to them in a very friendly, non-confrontational and non-threatening way and just starting a conversation. So, I ask you to think of a person, a little story uh, that, that uh, you could tell us about. I think it has to be the young lady whose name I can't even remember who just came in through the door and was looking vaguely lost. Um, I may have told this story before, but I wandered over and I said, are you just visiting? And she said, well, yes, um, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing here. I said, oh, okay, can I help you? Well, I'm not sure, I, I'm not sure how, I, how I got in here. And at that point, I thought, God, you're at work here because she didn't know how she was how she was in here or why she was in here, but I just sensed that he wanted to do something really special that day. And um, I showed her a bit of the church and um, got the fact that she was from Edinburgh and she'd come across for an eye appointment. And um, then I just had enough in me. I said, is there any way that we can help you? And she was about 22, and she'd struggled with her degree. She'd had to have a delay, and all her friends had graduated. But she was um, being able to finish her degree off longer, later than the others. And she said, I've had a lot of difficulty this last year. Um, and I'm just, I'm just wanting help to know why I'm here. Um, we'd gone beyond why she was here. And I said, you're thinking about your purpose in life. And she said, yes, why are any of us here? Can you help me with that? Well, what, what an opportunity. So I said, have you got time for a coffee before your eye appointment? Yes, I have, she said. Unfortunately for me, she actually needed to use the ladies downstairs. Ian, our artist, was working just over there. And I sped across to him and I said, Ian, did you see that young lady that just went down to the toilet? Please pray for me. She has just said, can I help her with her purpose in life? Now, we had an hour together. I've never seen her since, and I possibly will never see her again. But I actually believe I might see her in heaven because I think somebody in Edinburgh will have picked that young girl up and carried on that particular story. Fantastic. Thanks, Helen. Thank you. Lorna. <coughs> um, yes, uh, I met two sisters who <clears throat> had really just wandered in, although they'd just come from Glasgow Royal Infirmary. Their sister was in a coma there, and um, their sister's daughter was also uh, in Glasgow Royal Infirmary uh, with a serious terminal illness. So I think they had a few practical needs um, at the hospital. They had uh, needed some food, some coffee, uh, and and um, a chaplain who was unfortunately not around that day. But one of the nursing staff had said to them that we'd need to go and spend a few hours out of the, the ward or the room um, where their sister was because there had to be tests done and and they had to kind of make their, themselves scarce. So one of the, the nursing staff had said, well, yeah, I think you get a decent cup of coffee down at that that church, you know, it's somewhere in Buchanan Street. So they had got a taxi, and luckily the taxi driver knew um, where uh, they were talking about, and they wandered in, and um, 
they wandered into a place that just took their breath away, quite frankly. Um, they they were welcomed so warmly and they just felt the love and they told me that they felt such a love um, when, when they walked in and the first thing they spied beyond the, the, the coffee was the cross and they had said to me you know we can get everything we need in this one place um, they weren't churchgoers but we spent about an hour an hour and a half together of course their question was where is God where, why and where is God and it's something that we're asked a lot, I think, as Christians, aren't we, um, when, when bad times happen. Um, and we talked and talked and talked, and you could just see the peace descending over them um, as we talked about the gospel, as we talked about where God was in their lives, and, and they just, I think, got a strength. They, they told me they, got, they had got strength just from, from, from the atmosphere, from the welcome, from, from everyone that, who had touched with them. In, in this place over that, that hour, hour and a half. And they had, of course, had the, the chaplaincy and, and everything uh, that, that they had really desired at the hospital that they couldn't get. So it stayed with me because, you know, I think the question, wh- where is God? And, um, of course, uh, you know, th- there, there is an answer to that. But, but just even to, to start to unpick that for people and, and to be some sort of comfort is a, a privilege. Thanks, Lorna. So just two little stories out of a whole legion of stories of people that are encountered, and sometimes it's evangelistic, sometimes it's people asking the big questions, and sometimes it's pastoral. It's people who uh, need to be able to ask in a safe place the questions, rail against God in their heart or their anger or whatever. And uh, the master invites in the broken and the hurting and the people And there's a danger that we can be so busy and preoccupied with the stuff we have to do in life, the important things, moving on, making money, getting ahead, etc., etc. Well, that has a place, but it can also eclipse an invitation to a bigger thing, a more important thing that, that Jesus says, prioritize that. And so we create a space for people to do that. I'm going to move on very quickly, and this is just a short one, Matthew 11, 16 to 19. It's another one that didn't get uh, crop up necessarily, but it's not an obvious one. Where Jesus said, To what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. I have to say, I was really nervous when we started the Wild Olive Tree Cafe about the space, a holy space, a church. I don't know what your thoughts are about holy space. Sometimes we get uh, people, particularly people if they're Roman Catholic, will come in here and they're utterly confused. (laughs) Is this a church? (laughs) Because there's a blurring and a fusion Because often we treat churches as sacred space, holy spaces, where you have to uh, bob on your knees or uh, cross your forehead or where uh, there's there's an absolute hush. And and that's really good and important. And I love going into cathedrals or, or places where that is the emphasis. I love that. But 
We know God in two dimensions. Let's just shove a little bit of theology in here uh, about the, the character of God, because God is both transcendent. That means He's bigger and other and unimaginable. He's above and beyond and outside all creation because He created it. And so there's an otherness to the glory of God that we, with our tiny minds and our limited understanding, cannot grasp. And cathedrals and, and, and churches that are vast and have high ceilings and canopies and that are huge are deliberately built like that to make you feel small. They're built like that to remind us that God is big and we are tiny and that we feel as nothing in a space like that. And that's an important thing to remember. And the other dimension of God's revelation of Himself is that God is transcendent, and He is immanent. Not imminent, immanent. Imminent means coming very quickly. Immanent is related to Emmanuel. God is with us. So, God is immanent, which means that God is near. He's close. He knew we couldn't reach Him in the heavens where He is because we can't get there. And so, He did what we couldn't do, which was to come down and be where we are. The incarnation that we've just celebrated at Christmas is about God saying, you can't possibly reach me. I need to come and find you. I need to come and be where you are. I need to take on human flesh so that I can be in the place where you are and eat the food that you eat and sit alongside you at table and meet you there in that place. And so they criticized Jesus for eating and drinking. John was an ascetic, very disciplined, fasted a lot, a holy man. You would have recognized him as a holy man because of the austerity and the things he didn't do. And Jesus hung out with the wrong sort of people because the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so we have a cafe in a church, and some people, I think, are probably quietly offended, but we do it to say, this is a space which says, Jesus draws near to where you are. And Jesus spent a lot of time, as you yourself saw when you did that little buzz around the tables, eating and drinking, and a lot of the Gospels take place in the context of fellowship and food and eating. One of the most beautiful and powerful and climactic moments of Jesus' relationship with His disciples was the Last Supper. One of the most special and solemn things that we do is that we break bread and we share the cup around these tables together. Because that's the place of being together with Jesus. It was in the breaking of bread that Jesus revealed Himself to the Emmaus Road disciples. It's a round table. And so, the cafe is a place of encounter. Let me move on to the next one, John 21, 10 to 14. And this is the context of that picnic breakfast on the shores of Galilee after the resurrection. Jesus said to them, after the miracle, remember he told them to cast the nets on the other side of the boat because they'd fished in vain all night. Bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. 
This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Jesus, in the context of that picnic breakfast, gathered his troops together, gathered the disciples for a meal on the shore. And if you compare Luke 5 with John 21, you'll see that the calling of Peter and Andrew and James and John was when they were fishing all night in vain, and the stranger, or Jesus said to them, who was a stranger to them at that time, cast your nets on the other side, and they felt it was full of fish. And here, bookended at the other end of their encounter with Jesus, his resurrection, the end of their earthly walk with him, and the beginning of the next phase as Jesus was about to return to heaven, and the same miracle again. And Jesus gathered the disciples, and he commissioned them. That's the context in which Peter was reinstated by Jesus and given his next instructions, feed my sheep, take care of my lambs, and so on. You know, One of the things that gives me great joy when I walk around the cafe sometimes is the number of people I know who are in kingdom business. (laughs) This church is often through the week full of Christian leaders from other churches, uh, other Christian ministries and organizations. The list is too long, but I often wander through this place and discover that this place is a little hub of kingdom ministry. It's a little hub of people having planning meetings and meeting meetings and interview meetings and preparations, and there is a huge amount of people meeting and seeking to hear and listen to the voice of God, shaping and directing. I mean, I don't want to, like, over-egg this or anything, but, you know, it's a little bit of a Kingdom HQ. The people come in here, and this is where they meet with Jesus in order to find out what are you saying for the next bit. And to Peter, he said, feed my sheep, take care of my lambs, and so on. And to John, he said, if I want him to remain alive until I come again, that's my business with him. And God has a plan and a purpose for your life and a set of instructions and directions for where you go and what you do next. And that will maybe be worked out in your prayer time or in your reading, but it will also be worked out as you meet with other people. It will be worked out in the voice of wisdom of the church, of people that you trust, of Christian leaders. One of the things that Fiona and I are working on, that Fiona's mainly working on at the moment, is saying, how can we as a church be better at creating discipling, mentoring, and leadership training opportunities? So that even if you're only going to be part of SGT for a few years while you're at uni or while you're in Glasgow, we want to make sure that this is a place of equipping for you so that your discipleship goes as deep as it can in this season, and that you discover the gifts God has given you and put in you in order that you may in turn be the best resource you can be in the kingdom wherever Jesus may send you next. Because that's what Jesus was doing on the shore around a picnic of fresh bread and fish at breakfast. We're getting near the end next reading. Luke 10, 38 to 42, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, you got this one, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. 
She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. The cafe is sometimes insanely busy. There are times when uh, I'm not sure what the record for a day's takings is standing at at the moment, but some days you think, did we even have that much soup and food in the place? And sometimes the pressure on the staff, and in a little minute I'm going to get Chris up just to talk about staff and, and people, the volunteer placements. The pressure can be insane on the staff. And the temptation, if we didn't have such wonderful, lovely, godly, gracious staff, and actually let me just at this moment do this little thing. If you are uh, or if you are or have worked either as a, an employee or a volunteer of uh, the cafe, uh, the Wild Olive Tree Cafe, could I just get you to stand? So there you are. There's a little smattering of people, and half of them aren't here. So double that number for the people who are part of this church or are uh, part of resourcing and equipping it. One of the things that we do in the course of a week is we have a midweek service, but we have it in the context of the cafe still being on. Because we create space in order that in the middle of the week when the cafe is on and the staff are really busy, people can come, as it were, and sit at Jesus' feet. I use that in the broadest sense. I'm not saying that me standing here taking a service means they're sitting at Jesus' feet. But they're putting themselves intentionally in the place and sometimes we have people who will just come and have their lunch around the sides and they weren't looking for a service, but I know that they're listening and that God is speaking to them. It's evangelism or preaching by stealth. It's a kind of ninja operation that people came in for soup and they get the Word of God for free. And in the house of Mary and Martha, Martha was distracted by the preparations, and I cannot apply that to the people because the staff and the volunteers that work here are amazing people. But we have this rhythm, this balance that says, even though there's preparations and work that needs to be done, this is a place of worship. This is a place of worship, and we maintain it as a place of of worship. And whatever preparations and preoccupations you have in your week, where and how and when do you sit at the feet of Jesus? And what does that mean for you? And some, of course, of our staff are those volunteer placements that we've uh, had before. And so, Chris, I wonder if I can get you at this point just to say a little bit about some of our um, happy success stories with some of our uh, workers. Thank you, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that Alistair's speaking about the cafe. It's such a, a sanctuary. Uh, you've used lots of words to describe it, but it's a sanctuary, not just for people who are maybe out in the town uh, taking a break from shopping or whatever it might be, 
but it's a sanctuary for people who have maybe had a life of limited opportunity. So any one time, there's between six and eight people who would be on what we would call a work placement here. And it's overseen by Kate Mitchell, who works with Bethany Christian Trust, and it's jointly funded by Glasgow City Mission. And the sanctuary is that it gives people an opportunity to firstly discover what their gifts are and then be encouraged in how to use them. So there are people that might come who are maybe from a third generation of, of family without work and for whom having a job or having a meaningful something to do is just so foreign to them. Or it might be that somebody's got a specific challenge in their life that makes it difficult for them to hold down a job out there. And what happens in here is that people are given opportunities, they are given nurture, uh, they are given a listening ear, and when that happens, people start to flourish. And there's lots of hidden pastoral work that goes on in that wee space over there where uh, coffees and, and soup get delivered from, and also below us here where things are made, where the soup is made and the scones are made. And Beth oversees a team that just builds people up constantly because we want people to come in here, do a placement, and be equipped to then maybe take that placement and go out and do whatever God has as the next step for them. And so, two of the people that have benefited from that, one is a guy called Robert, who, off the top of my head, it feels like about four years ago, Alistair, that Robert, three and a half, four years ago, Robert came, um, and he did a placement downstairs in the the kitchen uh, as a porter. And if you haven't met Gabriel, uh, who creates most of the soup in the scones, she pastored him, a kind of invisible pastoring, because while you're making stuff together, you can't be on your phone, you can't be uh, busy with other things, and there's a chance to have conversations with people. And she built him up over years. Um, Kate worked a lot with him to encourage his confidence, and we tried to get Robert into a lot of uh, future jobs. Didn't always work, to be honest. That's our faith journey as well. Sometimes we're up, and then we fall again, and we get up. Um, But the great news for Robert is that he's now working uh, in a city center hotel, which is Kate, who was on maternity leave at the time I found this out. I just thought, I know you're on maternity leave, but I need to text you. I said, Robert's got a job. And she's on the phone, what? But that's what happens. We have a a God who uh, laughs at the impossible. And, and encourages people. And then more recently, Lexi started out on a work placement from the job center because we take referrals from all sorts of places, from City Mission, from different places that Bethany are partnered with, from job centers, from Move On support services. And uh, Lexi is still volunteering in the cafe, um, but, and she's now also employed as one of the two cleaners. So we see people starting maybe in whatever their level is, And then how can we encourage them? How can we get them to take that step further? So, as well as everything else you've heard about the cafe, the next time you're in, and maybe you're in as a customer or whatever, have a wee chat with the person that's serving you. Ask them how they got involved in this. And I'm sure you'll get a story at the end of it. So, thank you for this opportunity to share. And please keep supporting the cafe in lots of ways.
Thanks, Chris. Appreciate that. Last one, John 12, 1 to 3. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about half a liter of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, we know that Judas criticized that gift, criticized that act in the context of a meal of worship, and Jesus leapt to her defense because she had done a beautiful thing. And so, all I want to say, because we need to finish now, and you've listened really well to a lot, but all I want to say is that it's all a sacrifice of worship. It's all about Jesus. It's all about pouring out the thing that we can bring that is the best that we can bring and offer. You know, and for for Robert, just to return to his story, who had a a chronic speech impediment and, and really struggled just to get a simple sentence out, for him, it was just sometimes turning up and coming back again, keeping going uh, and, and persevering and persevering with them. And it's all a sacrifice of worship. And it's an opportunity for us to be a place where seven days a week we are seeking to break the neck of a jar of nard and pour it out and anoint Jesus with it. And whether it's cafe chaplains or volunteers, whether it's paid staff or part-time staff, it's all about going above and beyond the call of duty in order to worship Jesus. Now, I know we've focused on the cafe today because that's what this is about. And it might just sound a little too self-congratulatory. I really don't want it to. I think it's an honoring of Jesus who has anointed something that began with five loaves and two fish and has been allowed to be a ministry of grace in Glasgow City and a sign, a sign of the presence and the grace of God to people, some of who just think that giving free stuff is just social work, it's just what we do, that actually we know it's kingdom ministry. And we know that the cafe staff uh, pour themselves out day after day to offer not just a cafe, but a ministry and a mission. And maybe, you know, you come in for the odd coffee. Maybe you've never been and you never will be, and you've sat through all of this and thought, yeah, whatever. We'll take the principles of these passages and ask yourself how they apply to you, how you feed and clothe uh, the homeless, how you care for uh, those how you listen for God's calling, how you bring a sacrifice of worship, how you uh, honor and fulfill God's kingdom calling on you. Because our ministry is a response to the grace of God in Jesus, who sent his son to come alongside us, to do for us what we could not do when he died upon the cross to bear our sins, who came close to sinful humankind, ate and drank with them, and then bore their guilt to the cross in order 
that we might receive forgiveness and the grace of God.